Hello, listeners. You're about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB season. Enjoy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 27. Alex, the big Mike Trout episode. Mm. Uh, we're recording here on uh, Monday, September 27th. Uh, it's about it's almost 7.10 in the uh, afternoon and nighttime. Uh, pretty chilly day here. We're getting into the fall season. We're getting into the uh, the playoff season. So today, uh, you know, me and Alex are going to be talking a little bit about uh, the final week of baseball. We made it. We are one week away from pretty much the postseason. Uh, postseason starts next Tuesday, October 5th. So uh, about six games left for every major league team um, this season so far. So me and Alex, this episode today are going to be covering, of course, uh, you know, what the next six games look like for certain teams, certain races, uh, going to be covering the AL wildcard, going to be covering the NL East and the NL West, kind of the most three exciting races in baseball. Um, some of the other races and divisions are already locked up. Teams already know who they're going to be playing. Um, it's just a matter of... Uh, Pretty much the records, if who's going to be home, who's going to be away during some of the playoff series. Um, we'll cover kind of that stuff and who we think are uh, the strong teams to, you know, possibly pass other teams and also some teams who they're going to be, you know, staying in the lead for their division or the wild card. Um, cover that. Cover also um, a little bit of Angels talk, Alex. We haven't really talked about Angels too much lately. I mean, there's really not much to talk about the Angels yeah, yeah. in September been, been so far. Um, no Rendon, no Trout. Uh, a lot of a lot of you know rookies, a lot of guys that we don't usually see play too much in baseball uh, for the Angels this season. So uh, kind of cover a little bit what's happening with them right now. Um, had a kind of an interesting uh, dilemma happen yesterday. Well, actually, I actually wouldn't say dilemma. Just some comments that were put out um, from our uh, our MVP Shohei Otani. So we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, and then talk about of course the uh, kind of what the next step is for the Angels as we go into the off season. Um, but uh, Alex, we'll start and kick it off with. Uh, I, I think we were to. Uh, where, where, where were we this weekend, man? Charles, you and I, we were in Boston, Massachusetts. We were uh, able, fortunate enough, to visit our buddy Mikey, who works grounds crew at Fenway. And we were fortunate enough to see a Yankees versus Red Sox game at Fenway Friday night. What an atmosphere that was just to be, just to see, I guess, you know, this, this huge, I mean, a packed stadium. 75% probably Red Sox fans, a quarter Yankees fans, just seeing, you know, the the cheers and the boos for these players in this kind of, you know, hated rivalry. Um, and also games that meant something because the wild card race just totally flipped on its head in the in the American League as a result of that sweep by the Yankees that, you know, we got to see that first game of that series. It was such a treat to, uh, you know, see the stadium in person. And, and our buddy Mikey was able to actually get us on the field um, on Sunday, which was just, uh, you know, a, one, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So 
Uh, well, well, how, how'd you like Boston, Travis? I think I know your answer. But. Yeah, <laughs> no, honestly, a great trip. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, just kind of seeing the late uh, September weather. Uh, it's crazy how the weather just changes. You know, one day it's humid and hot. The next day it gets kind of chilly. Um, but Alex, you know, I, I've been telling everyone, you know, about my experience and, and you know, seeing East Coast baseball in, in your, you know, observations and in your, you know, perspective of the, this weekend and, and going to Fenway Park and seeing the game. Uh, would you say there is a difference between, you know, East Coast baseball and West Coast baseball? I know we've been to a lot of Angel games, a Padres game. You know, we've seen a lot of West Coast baseball this year. Um, what's your input on that? Yeah, that's a, it's a good uh, good topic. Um, the big difference in my mind is the history because um, obviously the East Coast is where most of the teams originated and a lot of the expansion teams can be found in the West or maybe not expansion teams, but teams that relocated um, to get into a new city, much like the New York Giants becoming the San Francisco Giants, the Brooklyn Dodgers becoming the LA Dodgers. Um, Angels are an expansion team, you know, Diamondbacks. Tons of these teams, you know, are only, you know, a few decades old compared to, you know, over a century of history for teams like the Red Sox, teams like the Yankees. So um, it really felt like, Travis, I think you'll agree that um, being at Fenway, you could, you know, we're just kind of really aware of like, you know, 80 years ago, uh, you know, Teddy Williams was here and like 100 years ago, Babe Ruth was at this field, you know, playing as both a Red Sox and a Yankee. Um, so just kind of being up, you know, just kind of gathering that, you don't get that same feeling when you're at Angel Stadium or Dodger Stadium. You're probably thinking about maybe some of the 80s highlights, but like in terms of 100 years ago, you're not getting that same kind of perspective. So being at Fenway really kind of opened my eyes to that. Um, I'm still going to be a West Coast guy just just, <laughs> yeah. just naturally, obviously, you know, being from L.A. area. But um, when it comes down to it, uh, obviously, there's just no denying the history of being at a, a West, sorry, an East Coast ballpark, at least one that's been around for a while. Um, it's very obvious that, you know, the passion of the fans, um, it's really part of their DNA over there. Um, and it, it was a treat to be a part of that. Yeah, definitely. And especially with me and you, uh, since we've been baseball fans, uh, since, you know, probably... 2002 a little bit after that you know the Red Sox have been almost the royalty of mm -hmm. our baseball you know knowing since we've been growing up um it was really cool to walk around you know the warning track of Fenway Park and I feel like you know you just walk in different sections and you can relive a moment that you watched when you were a kid you know we always go back to the Manny Ramirez home run in game two of the ALDS in 2007 yeah. Um, yeah, against the Angels, just yeah. <laughs> imprinted in our brains forever. <laughs> Too many moments against the Angels that we just remember, you know, them hurting us in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, even like Ben Attendee's leaping catch on the warning track, I think it was in the World Series. Um, you know, Big Poppy, so many moments there with Big Poppy, you know, ending ball games or at least tying ball games. Um, and then we go back to even like, you know, the history, you know, Ted Williams. Uh, we go back to, you know, Carlton Fisk, all that kind of stuff where uh, you just feel like, there's like you feel like the spirits of Fenway Park are with you when you're in the stadium. It's just that it's just a really interesting feeling uh, for baseball fans. And for me and Alex being just two huge baseball fans, we know that Fenway Park and we can respect Fenway Park as being kind of the mecca for Major League Baseball when it comes to, you know, the history of baseball. It starts at that ballpark in Boston um, and, and even just going around Fenway Park on the outside. I mean, just the history around that, too. It's just it's crazy. I mean, you just see parts of, you know, the the structure of just Fenway Park is rusted 
and you know it's probably been rusty since 1960 yeah and, you know it, it's it's something that everyone should do once in their life and especially see yankees red sox i mean that's a, just a bucket list kind of matchup right there one of the best rivalries in north american sports so um it goes up there with the you know the the lagers celtics um maybe if you like you know dodgers giants even uh cubs cardinals uh yeah and then, you know even nfl when you look at like you know cowboys and the you know eagles or something like that but uh pretty crazy uh awesome weekend uh with fenway park seeing the game um i kind of want to talk about the game a little bit uh so you know three game series yankees red sox huge huge playoff implications on that game yankees end up sweeping and uh one guy that kind of comes to my mind was Giancarlo Stanton for obvious game. reasons yeah for obvious week reasons you know huge huge home runs uh Saturday and Sunday night uh give me your input give me your take on the on the on the series the weekend series of the Yankees Red Sox uh what would you think about it yeah so uh Friday night uh it felt like we knew we had Garrett Cole against uh Eovaldi and I think we both kind of knew deep down that Cole was I mean, this is kind of the reason that you get him, right? The alpha. You get you get Garrett Cole. Uh, so when uh, you have a big series, you give him that ball on the Friday night to set the tone for the weekend. And boy, he set the tone well. He did allow a home run to Devers uh, late, uh, later in the game. But by that point, the Yankees already had a nice, I think, a seven runs on the board at that point. That's right. And, and part of that was a Stanton homer opposite field, um, which at the time was exciting. But compared to his other two home runs that he hit... You know that was the weakest of the three, but um, I mean, and you say weakest, it was also probably the the, the, the ball that was least furthest traveled. You know, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, but we did get to see a Devers homer, a Stanton homer. We got to see Cole um, really deal for the first part of the game. Uh, he had a no hitter into into four or five innings, something like that. But he was pitching very well. Uh, set set the tone for the series, and then going into the next game, uh, Stanton, of course, had that just a, a grand slam that. Um, will live in probably Red Sox minds for a long time because winning that game tied up the wild card race, tied up the records between the Yankees and the Red Sox. And then, of course, Sunday Night Baseball, we saw the Yankees take it to him again on another clutch uh, judge double into a Stanton home run, and that secured a first-place wild card lead for the Yankees, which, um, Travis, a while back, you know, the Yankees looked dead in the water. They marched back to being back in the race. And then the Red Sox kind of held their ground a little bit. But now it's back in the favor of the Yankees. Um, it, it was a super, you know, the implications were super high for the series. The Yankees uh, looked like the alpha team, honestly, all weekend. So, you know, some of the games were closer, but it still felt like um, when push came to shove, the Yankees' power bats really did show up. And there were some big ABs for some Red Sox players. Dalbeck had one on... I think uh, two or three men on base uh, on Friday night, and he ended up striking out. That's right. Um, it just felt like when the money was in the line, the Yankees did come through. Obviously, in a wild card game, it you know anything can happen, but it felt like the Yankees were you know in my mind playing like the, like the better team. So, Charis, do you want to give us a little bit of a breakdown on I guess what those teams have left going forward? Red Sox, yeah. the Yankees have a tight race. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good start, kind of into our, our our main you know section of the podcast and kind of discussing the the main races um, for the for the for the last week of the season. So, um, I'll kind of get a breakdown of what we are looking at right now in the AL Wild Card. 
um, as being probably the most exciting and the most intense uh, race in the AL right now. So AL wildcard right now, um, as it stands, a lot of teams are actually off today. Um, a lot, a big travel day, I think, for the MLB. So uh, they can get going tomorrow and then play on to the weekend and then after Sunday, season's over. So uh, right now, AL wildcard looks like the uh, actually the Yankees are sitting at the number one spot with a one-game lead over the Boston Red Sox. So if the season ended today, it'd still be Yankees-Red Sox, but Yankees would be hosting the Red Boston Red Sox instead of the opposite, which was on Friday, it was the Red Sox hosting the Yankees. Right. So those have flip-flopped. Um, and then, of course, looking into the wild card right now, still out of it, um, is the Toronto Blue Jays only one game back only one game back, and then sitting behind them two games back is the Seattle Mariners, and then barely kind of staying alive is the Oakland A's three games back. A lot of stuff that Oakland has to do and get right to somehow get a chance back into the wild card. Right. Um, but I just kind of want to talk about these five teams and what their schedules look like for the next three to six games coming up. So basically looking at the Yankees and the Blue Jays. They have a series starting tomorrow night at Toronto. Um, huge, huge game for both of those teams. The Yankees have a sh- chance to keep on, you know, putting away the teams that are below them and secure that home field for the wild card game. While the Blue Jays have a chance to not only get into the wild card game but also take a lead and possibly host wild card game, uh, putting themselves in a great spot if they can win or sweep that series. That'd be huge for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, And then also you have the Seattle Mariners and the Oakland A's playing three against each other at Seattle. So really, the Seattle-Oakland series, one of those teams is going to be dead after Thursday. One of those teams is going to be gone, done, season's over. One of those teams will still have a shot, depending on how the Yankees, Red Sox, and Blue Jays uh, go along. But um, the one team that is uh, sitting kind of I would say sitting kind of pretty, but also needs to win their games is the Red Sox. Right now, the Red Sox, of course, are still in the wild card game right now, but they are playing three at the Baltimore Orioles. So um, as it looks right now, the Red Sox are going to, of course, need to win every single game every single day. They're going to have to take care of business. But at least the Red Sox right now are kind of looking at the Yankees, Blue Jays, and the Seattle Mariners and the Oakland A's and kind of just figuring out what they're doing, but also take care of business. Um, you know, in Baltimore. But uh, Alex, I'll kind of give your input on that. You know, coming up with this week, um, pretty much Friday morning, this, those, those series will be over. Um, how do you see the uh, wild card looking Friday morning um, as those series will end? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, you have to be thinking that the Red Sox will take care of business um, going against the Baltimore Definitely. Orioles. <laughs> uh, it, it's just one of those things where if the Red Sox somehow got into a skid here, if this Yankee series kind of demoralized them and they, they slid out of the playoff contention, uh, wild card race, that would just be one of the all-time like choke jobs late in the season, you would think. Um, I think that they will take care of business against the Orioles. Also, the Orioles, obviously the players are going to try their best, but they're not really, uh, they're more in tank mode than anything. You're, they're probably thinking more about draft pick than they're thinking about you know sticking it to any teams. Um, who knows? Obviously, one series of baseball. Travis, the whole season started on a Orioles sweep of Very the true. Red Sox, um, so maybe it'll end the same way. But <laughs> I, I, I would be so I would be surprised to see that. So I, I'm gonna go ahead and say I think the Red Sox will fare well against the Orioles. Uh, Yankees, uh, Blue Jays really feels like it can go any way. Um, two teams that have been hot uh, in the last month or so. Um, so I do think that 
you know, uh, they're both, they both know what's at stake here. Uh, I can see it going either way. Um, I think it's probably not going to be a sweep for either team. I assume it'll be some sort of split some way. Um, but it just feels to me like, um, the, like you said, the Seattle Mariners versus the Oakland Athletics, one of those teams will be out of it when the series is over. I know that the, um, the Mariners have fared well in their season series against Oakland. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but I know that Oakland has not been good against the AL West besides against the Angels, um, which is, Sad. we know that uh, all too well. <laughs> but um, the Mariners, I could I could easily see them staying relevant by Friday, but I just don't see them quite competing with the AL East teams that already have a slight lead on them and also just feel like they're all playing pretty well. And the Red Sox, even though they just got swept, have the easiest team yeah. to play of all the wild card teams. So I'm leaning towards things that kind of probably stay somewhat the same mm-hmm. with probably the Red Sox and Yankees in a good playoff position. But Toronto should still be able to, you know, if they can have a hot week, um, that could change quickly. Especially playing at Toronto. Um, I know some teams have really stumbled playing at Toronto because that crowd can get pretty, you know, rowdy and crazy. Um, especially with this being the last pretty much, you know, week of the season. Blue Jays are right there. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, right now we're looking if the Yankees can sweep the Blue Jays and the Red Sox can sweep the Orioles. It almost looks like it's the Yankees and the Red Sox in the wild card game right now yeah. because I think they're right after that, Blue Jays are technically pretty much out of it. And the, you know, Seattle Mariners or the A's are one of those teams is out of it as well. Um, you know, both those teams right now, I know Seattle only being two games back, but, you know, it still feels like they have to go a long way. They have to get really You have you know, to lucky. go like 5-1 and one or something exactly, like that in your exactly. games here. And so kind of talking about those series, of course, Toronto, New York, Oakland, Seattle, huge, huge uh, series for these teams. The losers of those series um, could be potentially out of it. Um, I, of course, not looking at the Yankees and the Blue Jays. They, those teams could still kind of stay upon and stay in it. But um, looking at the weekend series coming up, um, so after the Yankees play at Toronto, they will come home to play three against the Tampa Bay Rays, right. the number one team in the AL right now. So, t- you know, New York has a bit of a challenge um, coming up. They desperately needed that Red Sox sweep. Right now, if the Yankees were sitting second in the wild card, it wouldn't be looking too good for them right now. Right, right. Um, it, it, it would be a little bit concerning for the Yankees right now. While the Red Sox, they go to Baltimore, and then they go to Washington to face the Nationals. Two last place teams that finished their season. So the Red Sox actually have a little bit of breathing room, I feel like. You know, they could still go five and one easily right now to finish the season. They go five and one, I think that's a really good chance at, you know, being the favorite to be the first place team, be the home team in the wild card game uh, for them. And then you look at Toronto playing three against the Yankees and then they play three against Baltimore. Thinking about Toronto, if they can somehow win the series against the Yankees, imagine. You know, being in a great position against Baltimore at home the last series of the year, you could really see them sweeping the Orioles um, in Toronto, you know, finishing the year even 5-1 and one as well. Uh, really interesting with that series. Um, and then you kind of get into the AL West. Seattle plays Oakland, and then Seattle plays three against the Angels uh, with that series. So Seattle's still playing some tough teams. They're going to have to probably face Otani again, who did very well against them yesterday. Um, so Seattle still has to face some problems. You know, they still, they don't get any easy way out still. No Texas Rangers, no, you know, Kansas City Royals to finish off the season. Um, and then you see Oakland, three at Seattle, three at Houston. They're kind of going into the 
I would say like the Dragon Pit. You know, yeah. they're going to have to play some very good baseball. Oakland right now is going to have to win out. I'm, I'm honestly going to say it. They're going to have to win out if they want to get a shot at the wild card because three games back and you see New York and Boston playing teams that could, you know, very well get ahead. And the way that Toronto and New York is playing this week, um, it's going to really, it's almost going to hurt and help the A's because they're going to have to almost cheer for one team and then cheer for the other team. It, it's, it's just too much madness, I feel like, going on um, right now. Oakland kind of needs to really hope for a prayer. Um, and, and win out and take care of business these next six games. But um, I guess with that being the final, um, you know, series for these teams, uh, you know, we see New York. They got some tough baseball. Red Sox, they have some pretty easy baseball. Um, I think I might even ask you this, but right now with this, um, give me who your two teams are for the wild card right now. Who do you see hosting? Who do you see playing um, as at the at the host team's field? Yeah, Uh that's it, it's gonna be tricky. I'll, I'll go by process of elimination. I I think that Oakland A's, um, like you said, they probably do have to win out. Uh, knowing them, they're one of these teams, Travis, that just historically, at least in our lifetimes, they've had some like double magic, some voodoo magic. Where very true. It's teams like the Oakland A's, teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, and teams like the maybe the St. Louis Cardinals. They can just find a way to when when you count them mm-hmm. out, they surprise you every single time. I'm going to count them out, though, <laughs> and, let, yeah, and let's yeah. just hope they don't just uh, blow our minds again. But I'm going to go ahead and say that I think that they're probably done for. I do think the Mariners are probably done for. for. They could. It's it's more than possible they could just take two of one off the A's and then sweep the Angels. Um, it'd be I think it's unlikely, especially if Otani starts on, on, on Sunday, which is he's currently penciled in for. I'm sure it's not you know confirmed yet, but mm-hmm. um, I just feel like the Mariners, um, the whole season— even though their record says that they're good, the run differential is still pretty, uh, you know. Almost down by the Angels. Solidly negative, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of, like, good luck, bad luck, the Mariners and the Angels are, are you know, a little bit more similar than you would think. And then the Mariners have, have, have gone, things have gone pretty favorably for them. But um, I want to go ahead and say I don't think the Mariners are a playoff team. I'd be shocked to see them get in the race. So I'm going to count them out as well. So just looking at the three AL East teams, I do think the Blue Jays are a playoff team. I do think that they are good enough. I do think that they would, you know, wreak havoc against anyone that they went up against. But I don't not I'm not I just don't feel like they're gonna get it done. I just think that the Yankees and the Red Sox makes a lot of sense. Yankees because they have the lead currently and also have a lot of momentum. And then like we said, the Red Sox, even though the momentum is not on their side, in terms of competition, they have one of the easier paths here. Orioles and Nationals, it'd be really hard to see them do anything worse than like four and two, right? Definitely. If they somehow went three and three and like the Blue Jays surge or something, that would just be a nightmare for them. But I really see them probably going four and two at the worst. And they're already in that wild card spot. Mm-hmm. So um I, I feel like the Red Sox are gonna hang on and I think that the Yankees have too much momentum to just lose out on this last week of baseball. Mm-hmm. Stanton, if Stanton just stayed hot, he could probably carry it himself, honestly, at this point. But yeah. um, they're going to get another cold start as well before the season's up. So Very true. I, I do see Yankees, Red Sox. I guess I'll go ahead and say I think Yankees might host um, just because they're in the lead right now. I think they stay hot. I, that's what I'll say. I okay. think they stay hot. Okay. And in that last se- last series against the Rays, you know, the Yankees are, you know, the Rays have, you know, taken care of them before, but the Yankees have taken care of the Rays many times as well. So, I'm going to go ahead and say the Yankees uh, end up hosting the, the, uh, 
the Boston Red Sox in the wildcard game. That'll be my prediction. Okay, okay. And actually, it's funny because mine is the same, but I think the Red Sox will be hosting. I think it's going to be back at Fenway. Um, I know that's what you want. I, it's, it's what I want, I, and I, I just see the Red Sox. Um, I, I, I think they, you know, in my mind, they, they, they controlled the Saturday game and the Sunday game, in my mind. They had a lead in the eighth, just did not get it done. And we it go back, a bit of a and we even go back to even um, kind of that weird play on Sunday, the strikeout by Judge. That mm-hmm. was a drop ball that was caught, but almost on the transfer was dropped. That didn't happen. I think Judge strikes out, and the inning's over. Um, it could be a huge change on how we how we look at the you know the the the, the race right now. You know, um, it it's going to get interesting. But I just think right now with the Red Sox, um, you know, losing three at home to the Yankees is not what you want to do. But playing the Orioles and playing the um, Nationals, really the only player you have to worry about in the next six games is Juan Soto. That's really the only player yes. you have to circle. And honestly, maybe they just walk him every single at bat and say, you're going to be on base, bud, but you know, you're not going to be hurting us with the home runs or RBIs. So um, I think Red Sox can find a way. They're going to have sale against the Orioles. Um, so they're going to have some good quality starts against Baltimore, probably going to be an easy series win or sweep. Um, so I think that they get it done. Uh, and so, and even if, you know, Boston goes, you know, sweeps the Orioles and even if the Yankees take two of three against Toronto, um, it's still tied. And then you're looking at the last series of the year, it's Boston against the Nationals and then it's Yankees against Tampa. I feel like Tampa could still take two of three against the Yankees, um, but we'll see. We'll see with that one right there. It'll get really interesting. I know right now the Rays are the one team that is feeling pretty, you know, just kind of safe and confident, you know, just waiting for the wild card team. But, of course, the Rays will have to face a really good team uh, come that first ALDS. But um, I guess, you know, now Alex will jump kind of into the next race, and that is uh, now only between, instead of five teams, there's only two teams now. It's the NL East, the Atlanta Braves, and the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, right now, Phillies two and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves and we are heading into a crazy crazy huge three game series tomorrow night Phillies at the Atlanta Braves um that's pretty much the season I mean right now yeah. you look at it Atlanta takes two of three Atlanta sweeps the series the season's over for the Phillies pretty much right they're not going to win the wild card the season's over for the Phillies Phillies win the series Phillies take uh Phillies sweep the series actually now it's getting really interesting into the final couple games of the season. Um, and then we look at the last wild, the last pretty much weekend series, Atlanta versus the Mets and Phillies at Miami. So kind of looking at that, Alex, we look at these games starting tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Atlanta. Um, first off, I want to ask you, how do you think that series goes? And then, of course, with that, how do you think the series or the season ends for the NL East? Who do you have um, taking the NL East this year? Yeah, that that series, like you just mentioned, it'll come down. I think whoever wins the series, and will, it's Morton will, will and Wheeler tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the head to heads right now. So Tuesday night, it's looking like Wheeler, Cyan candidate versus Morton, who's had a great season himself. Um, that will be an exciting game. Looking at the Wednesday night slate, it's Aaron Nola versus Max Freed, two guys who are you know. Have you know superstar upside? Let's see what we'll see what version of those players we see on that night. And then uh, Thursday, it's looking like currently Kyle Gibson versus Ian Anderson, who are just also. It almost feels like the, those might be the three 
the three yeah. starting pitchers were, that they would wheel out if they had three must-win games. It, you, no, you you're right. You, you totally were right. It literally feels like an NLDS, like, yeah. first-round, like, pitching matchup. So, I mean, the pitching is there. That, that, that'll be the most exciting thing so, for that series. Yeah, they won't have any excuses in terms of, oh, we didn't get our guy uh, to pitch the big series. Definitely. They're going to have their big guys for the big series, which is going to make it that much more exciting. Um I don't know. I've been riding high on the Phillies a lot. Um, what Bryce Harper's been doing has been just incredible. Um, and Wheeler's had an incredible season himself. Um, still super high on the war leaderboards, I know. But um, the Atlanta Braves have held on to this lead for quite a while. They took a lead on the Mets not too long ago. Sorry, it was, it's, been a, it's been a while now. And it just feels like they have not let up. Um, and the Phillies nor the Mets have been able to put that much pressure and so it would be really something if Phillies could steal at the last second I'm not too confident that they'll be able to do that just because they haven't really set that tone at all this season so far I think they led the division for like two days back in like August or something but um, besides that they've just been kind of they've been keeping up but not really putting lots of pressure so I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if the Phillies were able to sweep or or you know two of one certainly possible especially you know you get a great day from Wheeler a great day from Nola Very you true. know all of a sudden you know you're you're there you're all of a sudden you're tied for the division but um, I guess if I had to lean one way I would lean towards Atlanta just being just I think stats wise it's the most likely outcome mm-hmm. but um, I just don't want to count out Harper. Wheeler, Nola in a big series, definitely. they could definitely go two and one or three and zero. Oh. And I do think the Phillies, um, if they know that they're one game back or one game up or something going into the Marlins, I believe, yeah. I think that is something they could put away. Mm-hmm. I think okay. they have that ability um, okay. to do that. But it really is going to come down to the first. I think if they lose the, if they lose the first two games, then uh, against the Atlanta, then I think it's it's just over. Okay. It's just a done deal for them. Yeah, yeah, and it's I mean it's just crazy to think that come Thursday night. A lot of teams' seasons could be over. You know, we we, oh, we yeah. could have from from the, now the, to then. Yeah. The playoff picture could be very clear for us. But um, no, I, I I mean it's crazy looking at this past week and how well Atlanta just took care of business at the Padres. I mean, they just took care of business. I mean, just went about it, just won their ball games. Um, in a weekend where we looked at that and said, man, Atlanta could slip and Philadelphia could really get back in it and tie this uh, division up. But Atlanta stays strong. I mean, it just that infield right now just seems uh, very confident, very strong, um, really no holes. And it's just crazy to think about you look back, you know, the early July days, you know, all star break. Acuna is done for the year. Braves are, I think, are in third place, second yeah. place. Like um, possibly even a, ter- a hair below 500 at that point. You're right. You're right. They went in, I think, below 500. And I remember we, we, we talked about it. And I know even Jeff Passan on Twitter tweeted something about, you know, the next. 20 games for the Braves are against teams that are above 500. And I think me and you both said the Braves are just, I mean, tough year, but they're, they're done and, mm-hmm. and they're out of it. But right now they're looking like they could um, take this division and I would say stumble into the playoffs, but still be very confident. I feel like, I feel like there's still a team that you don't want to face. I mean, you don't want to go against the Atlanta Braves for a team that almost made it to the world series last year. They're just missing. They're really their one superstar. Um, and other guys have really contributed and performed very well for the Braves this season. So um, I think that, you know, I think they could definitely and probably will take two of three from Philly. I don't think it's going to be a sweep by any team. I think one team is uh, probably going to win two out of three games. Uh, and then, you know, looking to the next series that weekend, I don't know why it is, but I feel like the Marlins 
are a team that could definitely even play spoiler. I feel like the Marlins are just they're they're a good team. I I don't think that they're a bad team. Um, I know right now they're playing their fourth place in the um, in the NL East, um, nine back behind the Mets. But I just feel like the Mets are playing just like confused and they're not really uh, sure themselves. And I feel like they're just they're, the chemistry on the Mets is just not good right now. And so I feel like going into a series, if the C, if, if it's somehow a game or a half a game the last weekend of, of the year. I feel like playing the Mets is almost better than playing the Marlins because the Marlins are still fun. They know that the future is what they're looking for. I think they have a lot of young, fun talent. Um, it could be a problem for Philly. It could not be a problem for Philly. Who knows? Um, knowing that all their pitching is going for this Atlanta series, they will not have the best pitchers um, You know, towards the end of the season. Who knows? Maybe even they throw Zach Wheeler You know, the last game of the season. They might have to. You know, He'll be have to be their workhorse the next couple um, games. So... Uh, I see Atlanta sh- taking care of business um, this series. And, you know, if they take care of business this series, the division's theirs. They can kind of just kind of, I would say, almost coast the last weekend um, and get ready for the um, the NLDS, which they'll be playing the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers right now, Alex, are kind of a team that really can't go anywhere. I mean, Milwaukee is going to be hosting the NLDS. They got the um, better record for against the NL East. So I feel like Milwaukee is just kind of, you know, eh, you know, we really can't. If we win out, we really that wouldn't really help us. We'd be in the same spot if we lose out. So um, Milwaukee's just kind of sitting comfy right now. But um, sure. the last exciting race is the NL West right now. And it's basically, you know, it's just two teams. It's the two best teams in baseball right now. The San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Right now, Giants holding a two-game lead over the Dodgers. And it just seems like they've been, they've been holding a two-game lead the past... 100 games. I mean, they have literally been holding this steady lead. They have not really grown. I don't even think they've gotten to five games above the Dodgers. It's just been such a steady one game, three game, four game lead. Uh, The division has just been so interesting this year because every single month, I think we all thought the Giants are going to slip. They're going to slip. They're going to, they have to slip. These, we can't see these veterans performing all season long. They're going to slip sometime. They just haven't slipped. Best record in baseball and 102 wins. Um, but, you know, the next couple games are very big for the NL West. Giants right now are playing the next three games at home against the worst team in baseball, the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then the Dodgers are playing three at home against the insanely rivaled San Diego Padres, who I think the Padres have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think the Padres are thinking, you know what, we're not going to be able to face you in the wild card. You know, we feel really embarrassed about that, but we're going to take it to you this series this week and make you play a wild card game. We're going to force you to play the wild card game and let the Giants win the division and have make you pretty much play this, the, the hottest team in baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals right now. So what are your thoughts right there? Three for the uh, three for the Giants against the Diamondbacks, three for the uh, Dodgers against the Padres. What do you think come Thursday night, Friday morning? Where do you think we're going to see that division right now? Yeah, I don't really see any reason why the Giants shouldn't take care of business against the Arizona Diamondbacks. To be how to have a to be like the kind of team that you have the best record in baseball, part of that part of that job is just taking care of the bad teams. They've done it all year. So I'm sure they'll continue to do so. Maybe they could drop one game, but I do think that they're gonna, like I said, take care of business. The Dodgers and the Padres should be uh exciting. Cause like you said, the Padres, it's almost all they have left. 
All they have left on this mm-hmm. season is to try to beat their division rivals. Um, they have a chance to play spoiler. I think they they play the Dodgers and the Giants, right? If I'm not mistaken. What which team are you talking about? The Padres. The Padres, yes, they play the Dodgers and then they play the Giants. So yeah. So the <laughs> so the, so the Padres have a chance to play spoiler for both, honestly. But obviously, the Dodgers are the team that they feel probably like the most. Um, they probably feel the best against the Dodgers because, uh, you know, they're the closest. They're I guess they're close division rivals. They kind of. They thought they'd be able to challenge the Dodgers for the division. Instead, it was the Giants this season. Um, I think that there's just more of a rivalry between them and the Dodgers uh, in terms of just the players on the field always getting chippy. So I do see the Padres trying to stick it to them. Um, but just the way the series have gone between the Dodgers and the Padres recently, it's just it's been Dodgers sweeps or Dodgers maybe losing one game. Um, so I'm leaning towards the Dodgers probably taking care of business um, as well. But the problem is the Giants are facing, obviously, the easier team. And so I expect both teams to do well this week. I expect the, the Giants to sort of hang on to their lead. But um, I think both teams are just kind of... I think both teams are probably cruised to maintaining their same records as like the best two teams with the Giants probably on top. Yeah, and, and honestly, looking at it too, I see the Giants easily taking two of three against the Diamondbacks. And honestly, I even see the Dodgers possibly taking two of three against the Padres. Um, and with that, it would still be a two-game, you know, difference. And you really have to hope that the Giants lose the last three games of the series of the season, and then the Dodgers win the last three games of the uh, of the season. And looking at the end of the weekend series, um, you know, Giants playing the Padres, who have kind of had their number. You know, the Giants have really had their number this year. Um, and then you see the Dodgers playing three against Milwaukee, which is kind of just a weird, uh, you know really could be a NLCS matchup right there with b- yeah. both of those teams. Um, I feel like those odds would be pretty good. I mean, right now, both those teams are very strong. And so um, an interesting matchup would be, you know, Milwaukee, you know, maybe not even throwing their best guys because they know that they have to save them for the Atlanta Braves. So maybe you see, um, you know, even like a guy like Adrian Hauser going out there and a couple other guys that you don't really see too much for the Brewers possibly pitching um, the last weekend. So maybe that really helps the Dodgers. Maybe they have, you know, Peralta pitching Friday and then also, um, you know, Hauser pitching Saturday, who's had a couple of good starts the past um, couple weeks. So maybe you see them throw some of their good guys, um, kind of giving them tune-up games because you think about it, uh, the NLDS might start either Thursday or Friday for the Brewers. I don't know if they really want to go, you know, I don't know if they want Burns and Woodruff to have a week and a half off. Maybe they still want them to stay consistent. Of and course. Yeah, maybe get three or four innings against the Dodgers. Still, kind of stay fresh and strong um, I, I, out I, there too. So I remember just a, a couple seasons ago, twenty nineteen, <clears throat> Garrett Cole's on a Cy Young bid, and Charles, you were at the game. The Astros came to Anaheim yep. to end the end the end the season, their last series, and then that last game of the of the one sixty two, they throw Garrett Cole on his Cy Young bid against the, just the. Angels who were crawling to the finish line. It's the Brad Ausmus Angels, and, and it was and it was just a <laughs> it was just a dominant performance by Cole to to top off his you know second place Cy Young finish season. Um, so that kind of that moment always kind of sticks out to me as like these managers are very okay with throwing their aces in the last game or two of the season, even if it's season's not on the line. If they just want to give them, I think because starting pitching is always about like routine and, exactly. and ritual yeah. Yeah. and keeping things the same. Very superstitious. So yeah. you don't, I mean, you just want to stay in your, in your schedule. You want to stay, stay yeah. in your element. Um, like stay you said, yeah. like you said, if you, if you, if you give them a whole week off, 
that you know maybe Burns on that first you know game of the you know division series feels a little uncomfortable. You want to do whatever you can to avoid that. So and, that, and that's a very good point because you know they're three headed monster. They could literally go Burns Friday, Woodruff Saturday, uh, Peralta Sunday. Um, or, you know, maybe they even say we're going to save them because we don't want them to even see them because we anticipate this being an NLCS. We don't even want them to see Burns or Woodruff. They could be a little sneaky that way, or they can just go about business and throw, you know, a couple of their guys. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what the Brewers do. Cause you know, like I said, they're just, they're kind of just playing baseball right now. You know, yeah. they really don't have too many worries about anything. Um, well, one thing I'll add Travis. Yeah. Like you said, Brewers have some strategic ways they can go about things. Um, so we'll see how, how council, uh, you know, manager Craig Council decides to handle that. But in just in terms of strictly Giants versus Dodgers, who I see coming on top, I just know that today, uh, Brandon Belt, uh, it was reported that he x-rays showed that he broke his thumb, I believe, or oh, wow. some, sort of, some sort of fracture because okay. he got removed from a game over the weekend. And um, that's a big blow because he's been batting second for them. He's been a big part of mm-hmm. their lineup. Their big lefty bat uh, always bats high up against the uh, righty pitchers. Um, and I had a thought while we were talking about Giants that um, one way they could go about things if he's not ready in one of the first couple of series, you know, obviously you think a broken thumb might take a while, but I saw some tweets also saying that he's had a great track record in the past of returning from injuries quickly, mm-hmm. which is a great sign, obviously. But um, there still needs to be a lot of healing done, obviously, before he's ready to, to you know, step in the batter's box. So one thought that came to mind, Travis, is Tommy LaStella was an angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know him well. He has a lot of time at first base, um, even though he's primarily a second baseman. So just my first thought that came to my head was if they need a lefty first baseman to take Belt's uh, plate appearances, LaStella could be a great option um, and just have someone else playing second base. Yeah. Um, so the Giants, some of their depth might be, you know, be able to come in handy for them yeah. um, because of this. But I do think losing Belt, um, you know, it's not going to change their world, but it's going to make a difference Definitely. and uh it could cost a game or two down the line um it could cost a game or two in a division series against a really hot dodgers team or a really hot carlos team so um yeah i guess i just wanted to point that out that you know missing belt could hurt them and then i just thought of the Lostella piece as like you know Lostella is someone who i would expect to come up big in yeah. some big plate appearances so um if their depth can come through, then they should have nothing to worry about. Yeah, and I even know, even too, Lamonte Wade plays a little bit of first base as well. So they have the lefties, and even, you know, I think Darren Ruff has been playing a lot of first base for them this year. They have versatility. So, yeah, they have a lot of versatility with that team, which is what you really need to get into the playoffs. You know, you need guys that are able to step up, bench guys to come through big. Um, but yeah, another interesting, you know, playoff race right now. Both those NL East and West divisions are, you know, still up for grabs. Um, but it just feels like, you know, come. Wednesday, Thursday, we'll know who's going to win the division. Probably. Um, but at least, you know, with the Dodgers and the Giants, they're still both making the playoffs. So uh, it really just comes down to who wants to play the wild card game, which, you know, both of them don't want to, but one of them's going to have to. But um, kind of to go back into the AL because um, two te- these two teams have already, you know, really kind of not clinched their divisions yet, but have already really kind of punched their ticket to October, and that's the White Sox and the Astros. Um, right now, the... Uh, Astros are sitting at 91 wins, while the uh, White Sox are sitting at 89 wins. Both those two teams are now are scheduled. Pretty much, it's almost 100% that they're going to play each other in the ALDS. Um, and so they can start preparing for that. But right now, it's getting really interesting because um, with six games left in the season and two games, uh, a two-game lead for the Astros over the White Sox, White Sox could still come back and possibly even uh, get home field advantage for that first series. 
um, which be you know is is kind of interesting because you know both teams are still fighting for uh, you know home field advantage in the in the ALDS. Um, as we look at this, you know, kind of the, the next couple of games, uh, Houston is at home, but they're at home against the Tampa Bay Rays. And after they play the Tampa Bay Rays, they have to play the Oakland A's. So they're still playing very good baseball teams. They're not playing the Texas Rangers or the Orioles. They're playing good baseball teams. So, you know, Houston still has a little bit of a battle to go up against right now. And right now, this past weekend, Oakland swept the Astros in Oakland. So Oakland might have the Astros number a little bit, but um, it just can come down to who's hosting that AL, ALDS. And then the White Sox right now just took care of business against Detroit um, today. They play two at home against the uh, Cincinnati Reds, and then they play three at home against the Detroit Tigers again. So really have some, I wouldn't say maybe easy games against Cincinnati, but they have some games that they could very well win um, and possibly even win out for the rest of the season and, you know, capture that home field advantage for the ALDS. Uh, I know baseball, it's it's funny how home field really doesn't matter too much sometimes. Um, a lot of road warriors come out in baseball. It doesn't really matter so much as we look back at the 19 World Series. But um, just kind of crazy how both those teams are still, you know, fighting for if they want to be home field or if they just want to accept and be kind of the road team because both those teams will be um, on the road come ALCS time because the Rays right now um, pretty much look like they're going to take over and, and, and be the um, – be the you know home field team for the uh, American League playoffs. But what's interesting is Houston is still six back from the Rays. So imagine a nice sweep against the Rays at home um, in Houston. They're only three games back. And so I'm just saying, imagine if the Rays were to get swept by the um, Houston Astros and then they play against the, uh, they're at the New York Yankees. Imagine just losing six games and you see yourself with a tie with the Houston Astros. I think it comes down to the uh, season series and how well they've done. With that will be those. the most shocking tournament. But it'd be kind of interesting. I mean, you think about Houston still as a shot to be the number one seed in all of uh, all the American League. So, um, you know, Tampa Bay wins tomorrow. They've clinched it. They're good. They are the, you know, number one team in the AL, but still kind of a shot. As we see all these teams still kind of fighting for spots. You know, Houston right now could technically still be the number one team in the AL, but they could also be the number three seed out of the division winners and never get a pretty much a home field advantage for the playoffs. So right. um, really interesting to see how kind of these series are going right now. It's, it's going to be, it's just crazy to think that come Thursday night, so much stuff will be cleared up. So much stuff will be, um, you know, a lot of stuff we'll we'll start to see who's really going to be you know come play next week for October baseball. Um, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. I'll just add that I'm I'm currently really high on the Astros. I think that I don't think that they're gonna you know steal the first overall seed. The odds of that must be really low. Yeah. Even though it is crazy, it's still possible because the Rays still have to play two good teams. And, and they're playing the Rays, which is pretty kind of just right. It's gonna know, it's insane. gonna it's gonna help. Um, but I guess just what I'll say is I still think that the Astros are the best offense in baseball. I think that they um, are just kind of on their level in terms of um, their batting order. I'm looking at their stats right now. I see first in batting average, first in on-base percentage, first in runs scored, fourth in slugging percentage. Um, and then I think in a playoff series, their pitching um, is really going to be, you know, not like the absolute elite of the elite, but... You're talking about Framber Valdez. You're talking about Zach Greinke, Lance McCullers. All three of those guys have experience in big games, doing well in big games in the past. Um, and then a guy like Garcia, who is going to get Rookie of the Year votes. Um, 
you know, as your fourth guy is 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 um, a solid option, and then even Arcidi if you need more depth and the starting pitching as well. I think that, um, and then Presley's been one of the best relievers in baseball. So I just think that um, maybe even Verlander comes back too. No, I mean, hey, who knows? But I mean, <laughs> I, I I I'm gonna go ahead and say even, even without him, they have what it takes to be win the pennant. Um, I think I, if I had to pick one team, I might pick them. But you know, the Rays every year you sleep on them, they'll surprise you too. Um, I just think the Astros. I expect them to be above the White Sox going mm-hmm. into the postseason. Okay. And even even if they somehow uh, skid and are below the White Sox, that'd be a fun series to watch. I would have my money on the Astros for sure. Just by the way I see those offenses and those pitching staffs. Even mm-hmm. though the White Sox, the talent is crazy. Since the All-Star break, I think their record is barely above winning, which, you know, I mean, the teams go on those kind of stretches, but um, I just think the Astros um, are a team that just knows how to take care of business. Definitely. So I'm leaning towards them um, in terms of comparing them to the White Sox. That, that, that's my take, I guess. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at their run differential, it's second best in baseball. Um, I, we watched the Angels and the Astros play a couple days ago. I mean, it was just slaughter. I mean, a slaughter fest between the, for the Astros. I mean, their bats are so good. Um, you think you got them all beat, and then Kyle Tucker just comes out of nowhere and hits a three-run bomb, and it's just like, you know, where'd that come from? Or Jordan, or Tucker, Correa. T- Tucker, or, you know, t- Tucker has possibly snuck into, like, a top 10 MVP vote-getting yeah. kind of season. Yeah. He's, and, like, he's like top 5 or 10 in, uh, in like, WRC Plus, and like a lot of, like, you know, um, I think even maybe in, in war, but it's yeah. he's really had a, a breakout year, I'd say. Yeah, and I think even I looked earlier today, uh, Carlos Correa almost had a 7 war. I think he's even top 5 in baseball. Um, not counting the pitchers, position players only, but Carlos Correa still being you know an absolute stud on the field. Um, Guriel, I mean, they they have the guys that have just been so clutch in postseason pass. I mean, they have yeah. guys that have all done it before. So of course the Astros, in my opinion, are still a team that could just easily just take care of business against the White Sox. Um, White Sox could also still just surprise the world um, and and take care of business there. I mean, they had their number in 2005 in that World Series uh, between the Astros and the White Sox. So maybe it goes the same way. But uh, it should be a very interesting, um, of course, playoff race for, you know, those teams. And, of course, when they get into the ALDS, um, that'll be a lot of fun, too, with that. But, um, you know, we'll have a lot of talks on that next week. We'll have a lot of talks on our predictions, our previews. Um, once well, everything's set in stone. Once it's all set in stone. Um, and, of course, next weekend we'll be on the road again. We'll be in uh, up in Seattle watching uh, Angels hopefully, uh, you know, pull a little stunner against the uh, Seattle Mariners and uh, you know, drop them out of the playoff race. But should be a good series next next week in Seattle. Hopefully Shohei can maybe pitch again, get that last start of the season um, to kind of capture that uh most probably impressive season of all time. But we'll, we'll get into that way more next week with our awards and all that stuff. But last thing I want to talk about um, on this episode, Alex, is you know talking about Shohei and talking about the Angels. Um, haven't covered them very much as of late just because they're not a really hot team right now, not a hot topic in baseball. When you know you got the best player in baseball, Mike Trout, missing the whole season. Um, you've got just injuries all over the place. All over the place. And so, and also cutting the players you signed that yes. didn't really pan out. So a bit of a mess, yeah, yes. obviously. Yes, definitely. But, um, you know, it was interesting yesterday. You know, Shohei Otani pitched seven innings um, against the Seattle Mariners. Did absolutely tremendous. I think only allowed one run through seven. Um, had 12 strikeouts. So, I mean, just a awesome performance by Shohei. He's been doing that every single game. He has been hitting every single game. Um, he is the Angels team this year. I mean, it's just insane to see what he's done. 
but had some comments after the game. You know, we saw him, I think, in the seventh or the eighth inning. He actually, for the first time I've ever seen Shohei, he was as frustrated as I've ever seen him before. He um, was up on the uh, steps of the dugout, you know, almost in the on-deck circle. Um, and then you see him kind of go back to the bat rack and slam his bat down on the bat rack and then put his bat down. And, you know, you definitely can see his frustration with this team right now. He throws a, a complete gem, and the offense, of course, can't help him and pick him up. Um, I feel like it's been the other way around the past couple seasons in this year where, you know, the, the offense is good, but the pitching uh, can't pick up the offense. But um, he made a comment after the game and just, you know, basically summing it up. He basically was saying, you know, I love my teammates. I love the fans. I love being an angel. I love it here. Um, it's something that I, you know, I, I want to stick with, but I want to win. I don't want to be a loser anymore. I don't want to be on a losing team anymore. Um, and those kind of same comments were echoed a couple weeks back by Joe Madden, who said we need to make, you know, they, we, we, need, we need to improve this offseason. And, and he kind of was indirectly saying who needs to improve, who needs to get these improvements done. Um, and then, of course, Trout, same thing, saying, I want to be on a winning team. I want to be a winner. You know, Trout, of course, watching from the sideline, his team losing, it must just be painful because he can't do anything about it. And it's another season coming gone. Um, so, you know, just looking at this right now, it's, it's, it's interesting seeing the, the, you know, the head coach, the manager and the two stars of the angels, the two stars of almost LA, you know, the two stars of baseball are, you know, voicing their, uh, frustrations right now for, you know, a winning ball club. And there's really, you know, only two guys that can make that happen. It's the owner, Artie Moreno, and it's the GM, Perry Manassian. So I'll let you kind of give your take um, about those comments, what you kind of thought about all that stuff. And then also, you know, moving forward this offseason, it's a tremendous, tremendous pressured offseason for this front office. Probably the most pressure for any front office in baseball right now with the talent that they have they have to put a winning product onto the field the fans have still stuck around which is still amazing I mean we really haven't been a fan base that has been booing its you know team but if, if you're the Yankees or if we're, if we're the Red Sox right now I mean you are booing your team off the field because this is just unacceptable from the talent that we have but what are your thoughts on it what are your thoughts on what we need to do you know moving forward kind of give me your uh GM take as I would say on on what's happened so far Sure, yeah. So what I'll say first is, like you said, Otani, Trout, Madden all had comments. And they all sounded to me like their mindset was, this is a personnel issue. We need better players. Um, and that is going to be handled through free agency and through trades in the offseason. Because we all know, Travis, our Pulse's contract is officially going to be over. Thank the that, Lord. That's $30 million back on the books Unfortunately, Justin Upton will still be owed, I believe, somewhere in the ballpark of $25 million. I know that's the uh, average annual uh, value of his contract, but um, if we could find a way to shed that $25 million, um, it allows to get even that much more uh, competitive and aggressive in the offseason. But still having that pool of money come off, it's going to open up a lot of options, hopefully, to put that $30 million towards an ace, towards a starting pitcher that is going to be able to be reliable, not only get us a lot of starts in the regular season, but also to prove himself, uh, prove his value in hopefully a postseason series. Um, that's really what the Angels are going to need as one of the uh, most chief issues off we'll to address. Um, also, other things are going to come up like a backup catcher, um, depth starting pitchers, uh, guys that are they're going to be like the four or the five starters. 
Um, a lot of free agents leaving the Angels this year. Kurt Suzuki will be gone, so backup catcher needed. Um, Cobb will be gone, a- able to be re-signed. Bundy will be a free agent. Um, Quintana already gone. So it's really going to be uh, a matter of we have youngsters. We have you know Reed Detmers, Chris Rodriguez, Patrick Sandoval. But to find out who's ready to be a part of a five-man, six-man rotation on a team that's trying to make the playoffs. Um, and whoever's not ready will have them in the bullpen probably and uh, we'll have to have depth, you know, starting pitching that um, will be in those four or five spots behind guys like Otani, behind guys, um, you know, hopefully an ace that we are able to sign. But um, yeah, Travis, obviously Otani has every right to be frustrated because he has had one of the most spectacular seasons we've ever seen. Um, like you said, his last starting pitching outing um, on Sunday was just a, a gem. It was, you know, he took care of business on one run, like I believe 12 Ks, no walks, like you said. Yeah. Masterful, masterful Sunday performance. And Travis, the 22 plate appearances before Sunday, I'm going to read you through how every plate appearance went for the last 22 before Sunday. This was tweeted by at Jared underscore Tims. And, and this is Shohei's plate appearances? This is just Shohei. Okay. The 22 plate appearances before that jam of a start. He had a strikeout, then a walk. A walk, a triple, a triple, a walk, a walk, a walk, a walk, strike, walk, a walk, yeah, strikeout, walk, 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 <clears throat> strikeout, strikeout, walk, walk, <laughs> ground out, walk, walk, home run, single. So Shohei's last few games, I think he he doesn't like singles. <laughs> I think I think he heard a little bit of the uh, Vladimir Guerrero MVP triple crown possible hype, and he said, "I'm just going to become an on base machine." I think uh, both uh, Otani and Soto are in an interesting spot right now because I feel like their on-bases numbers are skyrocketing because they're not getting pitched to because everyone knows that there's this beast in the order with not that much protection. Very and true. so Otani's getting pitched around. He's getting walked, intentional walked, or just maybe never gets a good pitch in the whole plate appearance. Same for probably Juan Soto. I'm not watching every Nationals game, but um, I know there's not much protection around him and his numbers are skyrocketing as well. He's, he's at 500 on base in the second half of the season. Um, and a big part of that, I'm sure, is his elite discipline combined with the fact that they can pitch around him because they know that there's not as much of a threat in the three, four, five, six hitters on their team. Um, but what I will say, Travis, um, is Otani has been incredible and he has every right to demand more from the front office. Um, I have said for a little while now that I think he will... If, if we're not able to make the playoffs by the time he's a free agent, he will probably try to seek a playoff-ready team. Um, that still is not for a little while. Next season, he's under contract, and the following season, he's still not eligible for, for free agency. So, Which I was amazed. I thought it was next season. So at least it's nice to have two seasons still of Shohei, which you'd hope that that'd be enough time to get a playoff team, a playoff roster um oh, for, for for this team yeah essentially if the front office is not able to put together a playoff caliber team in those next two seasons then um i will not be disappointed if otani leaves i'll be disappointed that the front office let him down and let mike trout down um i would be pointing fingers at you know anywhere but the the stars in the Definitely. team essentially so my mindset right now is um Manassian has to find the right pieces to sign because in the offseason, he made some good moves and he made some bad moves. And one of the good moves is Rizal Iglesias. So the first point of order should be to re-sign him because he has been 
no one really says he's the best closer in baseball, but he has been one of the most consistent closers. Definitely. He has been an absolute rock on a team that constantly puts him in stressful one-run games. It's constantly giving him the ball in the eighth inning with men on base and say, please get us out of this jam and then get the save in the ninth. He continues to kind of pull through. Even the Angels aren't winning that many games. He still gets tons of high leverage action. And he's, if you watch any Angel games that he's a part of, you can see his impact. is 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 um, it's, it's crazy. The trust we have him in is crazy. And we really need that kind of presence if we're going to be a playoff team. Uh, we need him to stick around. Some of the bad deals, Travis, that were made, um, Kurt Suzuki is going to be gone, which is a, a blessing for Angel fans. Um, you know, the war is negative. The batting is below average. The fr- the framing is some of the worst in baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so um, hopefully getting a more suitable replacement at catcher. We know there's some guys in the minors who have backup catching experience. Matt Dice is working on his catching. Taylor Ward is practice catching as well. Um, but just signing a guy for, you know, it shouldn't be that hard to find a guy who wants a couple million and uh, just just almost a defensive guru that a guy that honestly, if he hits 210, I am perfectly fine with that. You know, just a guy that's going to be a solid defensive catcher. It seems like the Angels have always been good at getting defensive catchers. Um, you know, Can I, we get Mathis back? <laughs> you know, you know, honestly, I, I mean, you look at back in the days. I mean, I remember Chris Iannetta had some solid defensive seasons. Martin Maldonado was a platinum um, or, you know, at, at least he was uh, one of the best catchers one yeah. of the years with the Angels. Absolutely. Um, a gold glove winner. And then you look at, you know, Stassi being just an all-time great framer for the Angels right now. Uh, and the defense, I mean, just off the charts uh, for Stassi. And, and I mean, can't wait to see what he's got in store for us for this for the future. But, um, no, I mean, just going back off some of the, uh, you know, the main problem, of course, we've seen is the pitching. I mean, we just got terrible pitching this season. Um, and it's nice going back to the Madden comments you know, they were asking him about C-Rod and um, Detmers. And his main comment was, they're going to be very helpful, but I want better. And I want I want guys who are more ready. I don't want to put stress on them. And I don't want to turn to them as being a guy who's the fourth guy who is getting his, you know, you know, Detmers is still a guy that's very young. And, you know, so is C-Rod too. He, it's nice to at least hear Madden say, I don't even think that's going to be enough. We can't just rely on these guys to be in our five-man rotation, um, and and I've always th- I've always thought about it. You know, I think the Angels need to get a rotation where Shohei Otani is literally our number three starter. I think we need two starters who are better than Otani to just get us through six to seven innings every single time they go out. Interesting thing I looked at on Baseball Reference. You know, one of the things about the Angels the past you know four to five seasons is we don't have pitching that can go. 180 to 200 innings in a season. I mean, we look at all the starting pitching the last five years. Some of our best starters have only gone 160, 140 innings. And I just look at that and I'm just kind of thinking, man, that is just putting a ton of stress and pressure on the bullpen. I mean, you think about the bullpen every single night coming in to the fifth or the sixth inning and having to pitch, you know, four to five innings every night. No wonder some of these guys are just so drained by, you know, May, June, July. I mean, their arms are just, you know, not practically falling off, but it's just like, it just seems like some of our um, bullpen guys are just getting, you know, used way too much. And then that leads to injuries. And then that just leads to more chaos. Um, We just need guys who can get through six, seven innings consistently and, you know, just give the job to set up a setup guy and then Iglesias, you know? And so it's, it comes down to that. And it just seems like that is, of course, the big, 
place of focus this offseason. And you know what? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we start exploring some of those trade options. You know, um, I think that we have not been very smart and we haven't really been very, you know, we haven't gone for the trade very much, but I think it's time we even start looking at that options too. Um, we have tons of, I would say, still prospects, you know, Adele, Marsh, um, some of these other guys like C-Rod and Detmers, but I wouldn't be surprised if you start exploring that. And of course we have the money. Pujols is off the books. The, probably the, the, the biggest Angels contract in Angels history is off the books, um, besides Mike Trout's, right. of course. Um, but you know, that's off the books. Maybe if you sign, if you see if you can send Upton somewhere or something like that, um, that could be useful as well. But you're right. Already has the money and he needs to spend it this off season. Um, or like I said, I think I said, even last season, things could get very bad in Anaheim. Um, and I don't know if, you know, a guy like Otani, if a, a guy like Otani, if he leaves, you're not losing the talent. You're also losing the marketing. You're also losing all that money that comes to the angels via TV deals, via, you know, just, just marketing and promotions, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I really want to want to know how much money Otani has gotten the angels this past season, you know, how many more games they would have been on for, you know, primetime spots, national games, national televised games. Um, it's just incredible. But like I said, things need to be done this off season. Um, it's the most pressured job. I think, honestly, it could be in sports because <laughs> we, we have the best players and they're not even getting chances to shine in the playoffs. Most sports, the best player will be in the playoffs without a doubt. Um, and we're not even getting the shot to even go to a wild card game. So um, we're not even getting the shot to go 500. So right. it, it, things need to change. Um, yeah, all good points. I I'm gonna. I just want to double down. I want to reemphasize what you said about Artie Moreno needing to spend money because, um, Travis, we've seen. Many, and I don't mean on Jose Quintana. <laughs> you read my mind. We've seen time and time again the off seasons. It'll be one of two things. It'll be. Uh, all the money, it'll be it'll be something like last off season where we don't spend as much money as we think that we should have, um, and some of that is because guys like Pools are on the books, Upton on the books. So hopefully that starts to change. But one of the things we keep seeing is a lot of deals for guys who it's almost like they're trying to find a little gem in the rough. And when things don't go as planned, like Quintana this year being released now a Giant, um, guys like Iglesias, Jose Iglesias, that is. Shortstop released now with the Red Sox. Um, we paid these guys, a, you know, a good chunk, and now it's um, they're not even playing for us. So um, I think having this uh, this mindset of trying to find the hidden value, it makes sense to kind of fill your depth. But when you're filling the big pieces, when you need an ace, when you need a starting shortstop, when you need to just open the checkbook and pay the best guys in baseball. Um, and, you know... It's who, who am I to say how someone should spend their money because he's the owner. But when, really when it comes down to it, if your billionaire owner is not willing to get you the best players in the free agency, um, then he can't be upset when some of the players like Otani want to leave. Um, I think his mindset usually is I'm going to spend big on the big guys. And then like like he signed Anthony Rendon. And I think he will obviously he'll probably hand Otani a check with whatever number he, Otani wants. But I think Otani will decline it if he knows he can get a, even a slightly less offer on a contending team. Um, and I hope Artie understands that um, because that's what 
that's what our future is going to come down to. If we can keep these guys interested in our team, only way to do that is to go and get the big names. I think a guy like Max Scherzer would be a great candidate to be our ace type guy. Guys like Syndergaard and Gausman, their names have been floated out there as well. Um, I don't really care who it has to be. It can be through a trade. It can be, you know, there's plenty of ways to go about it. But starting pitching needs to be addressed. Bullpen needs to be addressed. Shortstop obviously needs to be addressed. I think if the Angels don't end up getting uh, a very, you know, high-level shortstop, I'll view it that as a partial failure. If we don't get a starting pitcher that's better than Shohei Otani, um, that will be a partial failure. When our best pitcher is also a guy who has to be our three or four hitter every night once all our best players are back, um, you know, that is just a level of stress where obviously we know he's capable of being great on both ends, but um, it's almost just kind of sad that we can't get a better pitcher than you. Uh, you ha- We're having to ride you you know, every cycle through the rotation, we're counting on you uh, in such a big way. Um, so yeah, I think that there's um, there's so much potential for improvement. Um, there's going to be lots of options in both free agency and in uh, you know trade potential. But um, we have the pieces, like you mentioned. Even if we don't even dip into our top four prospects, top five prospects, there's still tons of depth. I know we have tons of young, um, you know, players that are still either in like single A or rookie ball. Um, there's tons of opportunity for the Angels to be a lot better next season. I think if we just had a healthy Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon this season, we would be um, somewhere around the Mariners range, I would expect, at least in the Oakland A's range, we would be um, not mathematically eliminated yet. Maybe we wouldn't make the playoffs since that AL East is looking super fierce, but um, I do think in the next season or two, there's no reason, there's no excuse essentially why we shouldn't be a contending team we have the top tier talent and guys like Trout, Rendon, Otani. It's just time to um, secure the depth pieces and hopefully get some growth from guys like Brandon Marsh, Joe Adele, who both have showed promise this year. Brandon Marsh hitting a lot of leadoff recently and been doing great at it. Um, you know, seeing growth from these young guys is also a big part of getting good in the next couple of seasons. But um, there's just I'm just tired of trying to count on either the young guys or trying to count on um, some of the scraps that we get every offseason, um, hoping that they will either return to old form like Quintana or, you know, maybe getting Jose Iglesias hoping he'll hit that 370 again like he did in 2020. It's just, it just not a reliable strategy. We need to go get more um, high-level pieces, big chips, and then we can go to the big boy table. But right now, we're just not there, so... That's where I'm at, I guess. Yeah, and I would ask you too, going back, kind of like to when you talked about the the, uh, the shortstop kind of class, and you know, getting a shortstop. In your mind, would you would you rather take you know two A plus aces? Let's just say you know Scherzer and I, I'm, I'm maybe I'll just throw out their uh, Gosman. Would you take Scherzer Gosman if they were able to get them, and maybe just a I don't know, maybe just a mediocre shortstop, or would you rather take, you know, a high-level shortstop like Correa, maybe like Seager, and then a couple of, let's just say, you know, B-minus starting pitchers? Um, Of course, I know starting pitching is important, but also securing a very good shortstop, because if you've got a guy like Correa or Seager, I mean, that Angels infield is ridiculous. It is so good. It's star-studded. It's got, I mean, you literally talk about the the, the fielding in that infield would be gold glove all around, you know? in your mind, what what are you looking at more more important, um, more of a you know strategy to take if you're in the front office? Yeah, um, there's obviously multiple. You know, there's there's you know 
unlimited ways to infinite ways to go about it because you can get this guy or that guy um how much money do all these guys want is another part of the equation um i do think that a a high level starting pitcher is gonna be in my mind essential um it's just been too many off seasons of not getting the big arm right travis uh, obviously Bauer, someone last season that was highly coveted, didn't even work out this season because of off the field, uh, you know, issues. Um, the year before that, Garrett Cole, not able to get him. Year before that, uh, our big acquisitions were uh, Trevor Cahill, uh, I believe Matt Harvey, just a, uh, just a random group of guys that um, had no business being on a contending team and the Angels were not a contending team that year, obviously. Um so I think it's time to really make a splash for guys who are ready to contend. We know a guy like Scherzer is that kind of guy. Um, I know Syndergaard is Syndergaard is revamping um, right now in the minors. Uh, I think I just saw recently that he was only topping out at like 93, 94 miles an hour. Um, obviously working his way back up. So, you know, not making any judgments yet. But, you know, uh, I really hope we go for the proven guys. Um, even trading for, you know, who knows, a Luis Castillo um, guys that have been in trade talks before, Alcantara, I know, has been in you know some talks. Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna. I think a starting pitcher is is essential. And I guess my current mindset is that we shouldn't have to make that choice, right? It shouldn't be Scherzer or Correa. I feel like we should be able to get an ace type guy as well as a all star caliber shortstop. Um, it really comes down to how much we want to spend. And if our ownership is not willing to put the money down, um, then I guess what's he doing owning a sports team? He's just there for the profit or he wants to win. Um, if you don't want to win, I'm not sure why you're in the business. That should, that's that, in my mind, that's what it should come down Definitely. That's what it should come down to. Um, so long story short, um, I'm really hoping we can land an all-star shortstop as well as an ace-type pitcher. If I had to choose one, I'd probably say get a pitcher and then try to get an average shortstop, maybe just a defensive-minded shortstop because an issue this season for the Angels has been the defense. Um, in theory, we have lots of good defenders. David Fletcher, a great defender. Um, other guys in the outfield, Brandon Marsh has been great in center field defensively. Outs above average, already up at like the 7 or 8 range. Um, as a guy who got called up only a couple months back, um, which is great to see. But um, in terms of just rounding out the defense, we do need a better defensive shortstop. Uh, just this season, Jose Iglesias was one of the worst outs above average guys um, in any infield in all of baseball. Um, you know, Walsh, uh, obviously a big step above a guy like Pujols, who we had last year playing first base. Um, Rendon, uh, I feel like his glove is one of the most you know steady gloves in baseball. He does not fumble the ball. Um, he's quick on the uh, charging in and throwing guys out at first. Um, he will continue to age and might lose some a little bit of his quick feet, but um, I still am very comfortable with him playing shortstop, or sorry, playing third base long term. So I want a shortstop that kind of can pair with Rendon, Fletcher, and Walsh in the infield, Travis, because those guys are all kind of locked up. So I want another shortstop that's going to be elite that we can kind of lock in there. Where do you stand with the whole shortstop versus pitcher thing, I guess? Correa. He's, he's, he's the move? <laughs> no, I mean, just just looking at this season, I, I've i fallen in love with, you know, just Correa, the way he's been, um, the, just just what he's done. I mean, he's a proven postseason leader. Um, the arm at shortstop is probably one of the best in baseball. Um, great fielder as well. Power is, is tremendous. And also uh, taking him from the rival Astros would be awesome, you know. 
uh, something that, you know, the Astros would be very um, upset about, you know, missing a guy like that. But, uh, you know, would love to get a guy like that. I think he could easily get a, you know, a contract that we could be, you know, pretty comfortable with. I think he'd be getting even less money than prob- probably Rendon. Um, but I think it would really solidify an infield that is just um, a juggernaut in baseball um, looking at next season. And then, of course, outfield, you look at Mike Trout and also the two youngsters, if they're still here, if they have not been traded away. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, pitching is the most important thing. I would right now, we've fought, we, we, I, th- I think we've played this game too many times. We've said, let's go out and get a good bat or let's go out and get a, get a good position player. And we just ignore the, the pitching staff. And then every single year, it'll always come back to bite us. Um, I think this year going out and getting two, maybe if not three, solidified starting pitching. I'm okay with getting a guy like Alex Cobb as a third starting pitcher. But if we get a guy like Alex Cobb, we bring him back. I want to make sure we get two guys who are pretty much almost have ace stuff. Almost like a guy like Scherzer, maybe even a guy like Gosman as well. Um, something of those lines that we can be really confident in um, that they can they can go out there and be you know ace type ace type stuff for us. Um, Otani pitching you know third in the rotation, and then even having Patrick Sandoval, who was a great great surprise for us this year pitching in, in the five hole. I mean, if Patrick Sandoval is pitching in the five hole, I am very, solid. very confident with this rotation. And honestly, I think we need to have tremendous depth because we have just seen so much starting pitching go through two, three week little nagging injuries, blisters, that sort of thing. I want to have enough starting pitching where we can maybe even call up C-Rod or someone like Detmers and have them come up and, and pitch very well, or even take spots in rotations. Who knows? Um, and Travis, that's a great point I want to add to um, an issue recurring, not only this season, but it seems like every season, the injuries are really killing the Angels. Definitely. It's getting to a point where at first I thought we were cursed. Now I think we just need to get a better medical staff. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that I don't know who the medical trainers are. I'm not, I don't want to point fingers specifically, but there is a trend that is looking to me like changes need to be made because yeah, you're right. when Mike Trout you know, strains a calf. Obviously, you want to protect it because, you know, calf is attached to the Achilles. Achilles injuries could take a year to re- repair. So you don't, you want to be careful. But when back in May, we're told could be a July, could be an August comeback for Trout, and he never sees the baseball field again, that's obviously a problem. We don't have a good grasp of our own injuries. Um, Otani blister misses a start. Alex Cobb missed like a month on like a blister and then like another finger issue. These things kind of keep nagging. Sandoval and Canning both missing time on the same injury. I forget where it was, but I think it was back. I remember back I, for Sandoval. Yeah. So I remember I remember reading that they were consistently being like kind of warm up partners or something with like the same trainer and they went through the same. They both got the same injury. There's obviously something wrong, and that's something that needs to be addressed. Um, going back to 2019, Travis. That was the most cursed year of Angels pitching injuries that I think we'll probably ever have in our, in our lives. I think our, all of our five starting pitchers on opening day were not available halfway through the season. I know, I know. Which was just, which was just, it just a matter of a matter of, you know, better training needs to be done. I guess more focus on the medical side of things. That probably also ties into the better development of the players in the minor league level. Get better training for them, better conditions for them, and then also ties into I think also the, the franchise culture. Um, it needs to step up. Um, Travis, we both traveled to Petco Park. We both traveled to Fenway Park um, this season. 
and we saw firsthand how the fans respond to an exciting product on the field. Yeah. Shohei Otani is a show, but when the rest of the team is filled by guys who are not on the starting roster because there was injuries or because your signings all failed you and we had to cut them, when the rest of your team is filled out by guys who are not, you know, big league stuff, um, it really affects the energy in the stadium, and I'm sure, hopefully, it affects the money that comes in, and maybe that will send a message to our ownership. I don't want to, you know, be negative Nancy the whole time, but uh, essentially, I think that there's um, some big changes that if we just address them, you know, culturally, you know, medically, from within the organization, it would just immediately have an impact on the on the field success. No, definitely, definitely. And so, so I'm just hoping that. Um, I guess these things don't go ignored. I'm hoping that Perry Manassian is the guy. You know, it'll be his second offseason. First offseason, you know, he still made some good trades. Getting Rizal Iglesias was awesome. Um, Cobb, and, Cobb was a good add. And, and I will say coming in late, he did come in a little bit late, which we were both, you know, kind of frustrated that... There was an interview process that took some time. That's yeah, right. that Artie was not hiring a GM and we were going into the winter meetings and we didn't have a GM and we're kind of just like... What's going on? We need to get, you know, no one's starting sign pitching. With, yeah. No one's going to sign with us if they don't know who's running the ship. But yeah. Uh, like, essentially. You know, Joe Madden out there uh, drafting, <laughs> you know, getting players. Which, <laughs> he's calling the shots. No, but <laughs> essentially, I, be, I I think Manassian can be the guy to make some changes in terms of personnel. I'm hoping that the organization from the ownership to the executives are able to make some shifts in the team culture, you know, the medical staff, just the bones of the organization, I feel like need to take a step up if we're going to rival some of the other hot teams in baseball. I do believe we can. I know that we can. It's just going to come down to Definitely. Uh, is our ownership going to be competent? Is our is our uh, you know front office going to be competent this offseason? Um, Travis, every offseason we go into it with hopes of guys we want to, you know, one year we were like, we got to get Cole. Cole's got to be the guy. We got Rendon. He was a great consolation prize because Cole wanted the Yankees. But, um, but, we, but, but we knew what the real prize was that, that offseason, which still, in my opinion, still bugs me because we knew we knew what we needed to get. We had the money. The, the, the players were even saying, Garrett Cole's going west. And we mean west of Las Vegas. And so we all knew, okay, is it the Dodgers or the Angels? Well, he's from Orange County. It's probably going to be the Angels, and we kind of just fumbled on that. Got Rendon, still a really good pick, but we just missed out on great pitching that that offseason. Ryu, um, Keuchel, Maeda, all those guys had great 2020 seasons. Yeah. Um, and we're out here just kind of wondering, you know, what are we doing with, you know, the rotation we had? I mean, I know we got Bundy, who had a really good 2020, but... We, we, we just kind of were thinking to ourselves, we, well, what are we doing here? Yeah, you know? we, we whiff on the A guys like Cole and Bauer. We whiff, we whiff on the B guys. Like you said, uh, Keiko had a great uh, 2020. Even Wheeler was a free agent You're right. not too long ago. You're right. All of a You're sudden, right. going to be a tough offside candidate for sure in terms of votes. Um, Travis, I got like Wheeler exactly what we need. We need a guy who eats innings. And if our bats, you know, supported him in a way we know that they would, he'd be throwing eight eight inning uh, starting performances all the time. I'm sure of it. Our bullpen but, would love him too. Yeah. yeah uh, but you know, consistently settling for like the B minus C plus guys is what is um, gonna be biting us going forwards. I you know the Tehrans, the Bundys, ah. the you know the Cahills. Uh, it needs to end. Um, they can be the fifth guy. If you know, if Cobb's our fifth guy, awesome. If mm-hmm. Sandoval's our fifth guy, awesome. But um And honestly, in my them opinion, being the, them being the two three guys is not gonna work. Yeah, and in my opinion too, I think we even need to go into a season with poss- possibly even a seven man 
rotation that is in a grouping that maybe maybe we're not going seven you know men in a rotation, but two guys, three guys reserved, ready for n- these little nagging injuries because they just yeah. seem to happen, even in the best teams. But I just and, feel and, like we and, need to have ammo ready. And that can be like a Suarez in the bullpen kind of Very scenario. True. Very true, a, yeah. A Detmers or C-Rod in the bullpen kind of scenario where when the sixth or fifth starter gets injured, they come up. Um, and that, and then I think we both we both believe that that would work very yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so it's going to come down to making the right moves. Um, like you said, it will be one of the toughest off-seasons for, for any GM because the Angels' standards are going to be higher than most because the fans are certainly tired of hearing all this stuff about you can't get trapped to the playoffs, you can't get Otani to the playoffs. Um, it's true. And so it's going to come down to can you know is the ownership tired of hearing it? Is the general management tired of hearing it? Um, I think that you know there'll be there'll be they'll be in the position to make the right moves. It'll come down to if they want to spend the money. Mm-hmm. And um, I think players will, will, will they'll want to come. I think a guy like Scherzer knows Otani and Trout. That's going to be some elite uh, run production behind me. No, definitely, um, definitely. You know, guys like Osman, like you said. Um, you know, the list goes on. Stroman. I uh, I, I think I think you literally just Kershaw. Need, if if I'm just saying for. Just for yucks, I mean, imagine if you sign a guy like Correa first, you know, just go out there and make the big splash, the first splash, get the shortstop, and then you start meeting with pitchers and you just show them the lineup card. And you every, show them I, the lineup. I, I think any pitcher would say, you, holy cow, I can win 20 games here. You know, yeah. I can be a Cy Young guy here. And, you know, that could just be the one selling card right there. And pair that with the fact that the ownership has to be willing to say, I don't want to hear, you know, oh, we, we gave Correa the big contract. So now we need you to like take a little bit less. Just pay these guys. Just pay them. Yeah. Get them to come. Make them want to come to us. Get make them happy, and the on-field product will benefit from it. I'm sure of it. No, definitely. And, and and even you know looking at it, you just have to shed one more year of Upton and kind of that pain. You know, pools is off the books. Upton, you just have to you know swallow it and and just say you know what we're gonna have to just eat up this year. But next year it'll be off the books. You know, a guy like Correa could take over that $25 million that we're giving Upton. Um, and then this year at the $30 million for Pools, that could be a guy like Scherzer, um, you know, getting that kind of money. It's, it's <laughs> we got the money to spend, man. I mean, we, I think we, I looked at it last offseason. Before they, before they re-signed Fletcher, we only had Upton, Trout, and Rendon on the books for this offseason. Um, so you know you had a lot of money to spend uh, coming forward. Guys like Walsh. Guys like you know Marsh and also um, Adele, even Stassi, they're not going to guy. They're, they're not going to at least get contracts for a couple more off seasons. And then of course Stassi's not not a guy that's probably going to be getting a lot of a lot of big money. I, I don't think so. And I think he really is bought in for the Angels right now. And then Fletcher doing the most probably courageous thing, taking just such a sh- a, a small uh, amount of money, six years, twenty two million. I mean that's just a, that's just a total culture and organization guy taking a small amount of money and you know being possibly the best second baseman in the AL right now um it, it's just awesome to see that kind of stuff you know he you definitely see that he wants the money to go towards a superstar um to play in, in middle infield with him but um yeah no so a good point about Fletcher uh he's definitely owed a gold glove this year uh if he doesn't get it it would be oh you know, it's it's a, a, it's a, a tragedy yeah um the bat has the bat has been slumping but uh, I know a lot of Angel fans have been upset with that, but honestly, the defense pays for itself. The defense has been one of our biggest issues, and he's just one of the total gems in that regard. Travis, we were talking about Upton a second ago. I just want to f- 
pulled this idea I saw on Twitter. My first, my first, uh, I guess, suspicion is that you're not going to like this idea, but <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me just float your way and see what happens. So um, we obviously know who we want in the outfield, right? We want Marsh and Adele and Trout to be our outfielders. Mm-hmm. Um, Marsh and Adele hopefully can continue making strides, and hopefully Trout picks up at where he left off in MVP form. That's the best version of the 2022 Angels outfield. Mm-hmm. Angels Upton, in the outfield, yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Upton is going to be... <laughs> On contract, he's going to be on the team. I don't think we cut him. It could end up happening we cut him, but we still owe him the money, so I don't know why we don't keep him around. One thing about Upton is that he is batting over 800 OPS against lefties this season. Mm -hmm. So against lefties, he has has real value. This season, Jared Walsh against righties is at a 966 OPS. Against lefties, he's at a 559. If we could train Upton to play first base this offseason and platoon him at first base for maybe just like, you know, 60 games of the year only against lefties. And when a righty comes in, we pinch at Walsh. I think you could make the most of Upton. He could be a positive war player. This year he's a negative war player. But if we only use them versus lefties and if we kept him at first base, a position where he's never really played before. But I know, Travis, a couple months ago, we were practicing him at first base when there was a Walsh injury and we are already let Pools go, we were practicing him at first base. I don't think he ever had any real minutes there, real games played there. But um, if Upton were able to play first base in a platoon role, have Walsh focus on crushing righties, I do think that we could kind of salvage some value from him because I don't think any team, I don't think any team is taking him. I don't think any team is going to take no, him off our hands. No, not at and all. I don't think we cut him because that's just going to be, uh, I guess, you know, 25 to 30 mil down the drain whatever we owe him is going to be just, you know, still paid to him. And so um, in order to, to prevent that waste, I do think using him in a first base role as a platoon bat, just bat seventh or eighth in our lineup against lefties, I think he will have real value there. Like I said, batting over 800 against lefties this season. Give me your first reaction to that idea. No, yeah. I mean, first of all, I'll talk about uh, um, just for a little bit, just talk about I don't think anyone's taking them. You know, yeah. that much money, no one's taking him. Unless you're going to do some sort of Dexter Fowler thing where the Angels are taking 90 to 80% of the contract right. and then we're trading him away and, and, the, and the team that gets him is only going to pay him $5 million. Um, I don't think anyone takes him. Uh, but really interesting idea because I was thinking the same thing when it comes to lefties. I think his role next year is definitely going to be a platoon guy. I could see him, you know, going in and being, you know, only lefty pitchers, he'll be getting the start. You know, we see that a lot with a lot of um, good teams nowadays. Dodgers are just famous for that, always implementing guys. Whoever's starting that day, it's going to be a new guy starting in the outfielders or in the infield or so. But um, no, I mean, I mean, really, really interesting thing that you look at. I mean, you, you'd look at this offseason being a time where maybe Upton starts to explore that because he's been an outfielder and a DH his whole entire career. Um, first base, of course, is, is you're not asking for that much that much running around as you are in the outfield. so Which yeah. is honestly possibly a plus because we know he's not a good outfielder. Definitely. So definitely. if we can just get him to, you know, be a... He'll be a below-average defender, but if he can just be, you know, something like almost like Pujols, but um, the bat will be better, essentially, is what I'm thinking. Exactly. And, and you know what? With having an outfield arm at first place, you're you're asking for... You know, you're going to be getting a, a, a good to average first base arm. You know, you're going to be yeah. getting a strong arm at first base... Um, I think it's something that definitely should be explored, and I think it's a very good option. I mean, 
you're literally asking a guy to play, you know, he'll be split in time, possibly a little bit in the outfield, and then also going to first base when Walsh, uh, you know, maybe there's a lefty going in there. Of course, I still want to have Walsh get the majority of the at-bats because Walsh is still 100%. A, a, a good player and, and he's want, our future. We want 130 games played for Walsh. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. And he's our future. But I, I think that's a very good option to utilize Upton the best you can against a lefty. Um, it's something that I would, I mean, I would definitely look at. And I, I would think that the Angels might be even looking at that too um, because you want to make sure you're utilizing that guy who is right now is getting paid the third highest on the team. Um, so and, and right now he's just he's been injured, but he's been riding the bench the second half of the season for exactly. A lot of and and I think the Angels know, and I think Joe Madden knows that Marsh and Adele have been doing pretty well, and they're only going to get better. And next season we can't just say, oh, sorry, you know, Marsh or Adele, you didn't have a good spring. Upton's going to be starting the, in the outfield this season. You're not going to be doing that. It really doesn't make sense because it you're doesn't. building for the future with these two guys um, to play with Trout for this decade. I don't know why you'd have Elton up there when he only has one year left. Um, I think it's definitely something that they need to consider. Um, and it's interesting that they kind of started practicing practicing that earlier this year. I'm surprised they didn't you know act upon it more with some of these meaningless games in September. Um, just start you know trying these new things out. But I know Elton I think has been hurt uh, as of late, so uh, it's definitely something to to look at. But um, yeah, just, yeah, we'll have to be creative. Yeah, just to hammer it home, um, essentially, Upton is batting has over a three fifty OPS and over a four eighty slugging against lefties this season, hmm. which is like you know that is a that is a starter that is a starting player essentially. Um, another option that I also saw was a Taylor Ward is someone who really slugs against lefties, has a three thirty on base, a four thirteen slugging. Um, against lefties that's in his career in this season i'm sure it's even higher and uh, he's someone who could be a first baseman if we it makes a lot to. of sense he came up as a third baseman so i'm just thinking of ways that we can um hey he came up as a catcher too so maybe a backup option too i mean i mean right taylor ward there is so many options for him that i'm just kind of upset with the angels only putting him in the outfield um i don't think we need him at third base but i think first base catcher would be perfect and yeah. also playing maybe a little outfield too if Adele or Marsh or Trout needs a day off. Yeah, uh, completely agree. I, I I think we both are of the same mindset that um, there are good things, better ways that we can utilize the pieces that we have. We got the pieces. Yeah, and then, and then you know, all we need is a few big acquisitions and then also better utilization of what we already have. Because um, right now the mindset this season, Travis, has been cut the players that aren't working. And um, I guess bring up all these rookies to give them experience. But hopefully, um, I guess the front office and the coaching can um, make the most of what we already have and continue to add big this offseason. Travis, I think that pretty much wraps up this whole Angels um, venting that you and I have been doing. That's very true because I know we went a little bit overboard uh, today. I know we just spent a a good part of the episode on, on, you know, the next week. But I know we kind of vented a lot with the Angels um, and that should be at least the last vent till you know November because the next uh, the next month should be just playoff baseball October, um, previewing different series, previewing different matchups. Um, it'll be a lot of fun starting next week because we'll be talking about um, our awards, uh, talking about you know previews for the wild card, previews for the division series, uh, just just going all about that kind of stuff. You know, kind of summing up our season, what we thought. Even going back to our episode one, you know, our predictions, going to our sleepers, to our, you know, over and underrated teams. Um, and then, of course, going to our Vegas picks. Uh, 
the season will be over and we'll be looking forward to, you know, for Angel fans, not the best time of the year, but for, you know, baseball fans, you know, the best time of the year, October baseball, um, this is where it all, all, you know, this is what the last six to eight months have all come down to um, if you can compete in October. So uh, really, will be really, really fun to see the next couple of weeks, how they play out. Yeah. Uh, like you said, October is going to be exciting. Um, we'll be giving our, like you said, postseason preview uh, next week, as well as our recap of the awards. Uh, Travis, I, I, I want to do it so we can both give our top, maybe like a top five of the major awards. Definitely. I think we're going to have some disagreements, which always makes for some of the best conversations. Um, and so looking at you know those two things, as well as maybe a bit of a, uh, share with the listeners our experience seeing a, a Seattle Mariners versus uh, Angels game up in Seattle. Is Let's gonna, stun them. Is, is going to be a lot of fun. Like you said, there could be a wild card implications there. It'd be exciting to see Angels play spoiler to end the season, hopefully on a bit of a high note going into an important offseason. That wraps it all up, uh, listeners. Thank you so much if you stuck through it, through all the Angels, all the Angels pain that we uh, had to break down. But but next week, our sights are going to be shifting towards October playoff. It's going to be uh, a total blast. If you made it this far, thanks so much. And, uh, you know, give us, a, give us a like on Spotify or wherever you're listening. You know, subscribe. Shoot me and Travis a DM and we'll, we'll chat about um, uh, <laughs> what we think is happening in October. But um, appreciate all you listeners and we'll catch you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>